0: This is Sci Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity.
1: Today, a special one, James Marsters. At the time, he was going to be appearing on Caprica, and he had a lot of roles to talk about, kind of all bunched up together in this one particular year. So let's go now to my conversation with James Marsters. Hey, James, how are you? Feeling really good, man. Oh, it's Doing good really to good. hear that. Certainly been a busy man.
0: I've been so busy, yeah. <laughs> I don't have hardly any time to watch the news anymore. Thank God for podcasts, or I wouldn't I wouldn't even see Rachel Maddow. There, I
1: hear you there. Yeah, exactly. As I understand it, um, you're going to be appearing on Caprica. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. I'm a lucky little actor. <laughs> yeah, that's a great show. Oh, it really is. It really is. Uh, Jane Espenson, who was one of the producers on Buffy, uh, remembered me and uh, fought for me and got me up uh, to film. And uh I'm just forever thankful for it. They got a very dangerous and uh energetic group of people up there filming.
2: Sci fi talk returns in a moment.
1: Can you talk about the character you're gonna be playing at all?
0: Yeah, yeah. I play a character called a character named Barnabas, who is a religious warrior. He grew up in a world which is kinda of starting to resemble ancient Rome where they're having mass sacrifices, mass executions and, and mass orgies. And the society is becoming unhinged and, and he has discovered a philosophy which talks about one God and, uh, a set of rules and punishment and reward. And, uh, he believes that that philosophy will save, uh, all 12 planets, uh, of the colonies that he lives on. He's decided that it's okay to hurt people to fight for that.
1: Very cool. Now, will he interact with Penny Walker's character at all?
0: Well, I hope so. Not yet, but I hope so. <laughs> she's, she's very good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I've only—I haven't gotten to act with Eric. Uh, He—I got, got to be directed by him, and that was a—that was a blast. Oh wow! Uh, nice. He keeps it very fun and very focused. Uh, but I'm afraid I haven't even met her yet.
1: Very cool. So, is this going to be more than a one-episode uh, shot for you?
0: Yeah, the character has finished a four-episode arc. Oh, good. And uh, they've left it open as to whether whether I can come back. I. I uh, uh, I would like to be back, and they have certainly hinted that they would like me to be back. And I think, you know, if it works out within their needs of where their their story is going, then then they may be able to work me back in.
1: Nice. Very nice. You know, how was it to work with phone up there?
0: It was fabulous. It was, it was so good. They are obviously having fun, both with the project and with each other. I think a lot of very uh, good Friendly, but also energetic people are up there. Uh, I just remember the first two episodes I uh, filmed with uh, Michael. Uh, what's his last name, uh, Michael Nankin. Nankin, sorry, Michael Nankin. They were shooting with uh, three cameras at once, which meant that he would he would say, uh, "Do it uh, with one take and like right as you're just about to kill him, mm-hmm. just do it with so much hatred, like you hate the whole world." Okay, C- action. Okay, James, that was fabulous. Okay, now do it as if you want to love them, like you're their dad, and you just want to help them. And so we would just do the scene radically different ways, uh, but we didn't have to match anything. Usually in television, it's all about making one decision and then holding to it and then matching it through long shots and close-ups and medium shots. And stuff. Right. But this, they got everything at once, so you could do it radically different ways, and it, it was so freeing and so scary and so wonderful. I, I left just, uh, just flying.
1: Well, that's yeah. great. So, uh, when does the uh, the first arc actually air?
0: Uh, my first episode, I think, is is uh, one of the sixth episode. Know thy enemy. Okay, great. I think what are down on three or four now?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're about the fourth yeah. episode. That's going to be great. Looking forward to that.
0: It's cool. Uh, you know, I, I always I always know that I'm in my element when when they're rubbing fake dirt all over me. <laughs> I always enjoy characters like that. Uh, and they were definitely dirting me up here. That was really good.
1: Well, speaking of fake dirt, I think we'll see some in a project that's coming out in April called High Plains Invaders.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that was fun. Got to know Romania. We shot that in Romania. That was that was a cold bit of muddy fun, man. Mm-hmm. You just give over, give over to the horror. That was wonderful.
1: I saw yeah. you with a noose around your neck, so uh this character of Sam seems to be in in the straights no matter where he goes in this movie.
0: Yeah, he starts at the bottom and then the bottom drops out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I got a good song out of it. It was great. We had to do a rewrite of a scene and, and the director and I was trying to rewrite it and I just couldn't come up with anything and he finally we worked with it together but I but I put it all into a song. Yeah.
1: Nice. Actually, I'm running something on my website. It's just a short thing that you did where you're just interviewed still in costume, but you're talking about comparing it to Buffy, how you, you know, you have much more of a budget on this one. And the effects that I saw were actually, I mean, you're fighting this one spider-like creature that looked pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they designed it properly when they, they really thought about how much weight they had to deal with and what, what uh, kind of bug could take that weight. And they really approached it in a, in a, in a good way using physics. And I think that, I think that you can tell when the thing's walking down the street that it actually has weight. And I really enjoy that. Oh, that's
2: cool. That's cool.
0: Because yeah, they had to have a lot of weight, but they had to move really quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, to make that believable is, is hard. And they have to use a crab. You have to have to have an ectoskeleton, they taught me, if they're going to have those two elements.
1: <laughs> now, what's it like when you're kind of acting against something that isn't there?
0: You know, um, that is quite normal, you know normally when you're acting with someone, you might have your acting partner, but you're can have fifty people behind them with lights and cameras and all of this other stuff,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: so you're always having to create something or blot something out of your uh, imagination. I find it that uh, it is a bit harder uh, because it takes more acting and you just don't want to be caught acting like you don't want to see it so much you're having so much fun that you're, you look like a mad person right watching a dragon fly across the screen. You want to try to be subtle about it. Uh, I come from stage where we do that constantly. Kind of the whole point is to to see the sunrise and there's no sunrise and have it affect
1: you. One thing that was cool is that you kind of menaced Superman in uh, two different times of his life. Uh, Mm -hmm. On Smallville, of course, as Milton Fine. and uh, Actually, I just was with these people just the other day on Tuesday doing the voice of Lex Luthor in Superman Doomsday. Yeah. So that was, that was cool to do both of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Both very evil people. <laughs> yes. Very different people. Yeah. It was fun to play the robot who was so sophisticated that it realized it had to pretend that it cared when it really didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to really play Clark like a fiddle uh, or think that I was. Uh, and so it's always fun to be manipulative. And then uh, to play Lex Luthor, a man so smart that he he really can manipulate the people that way, and just watch him pull strings mm-hmm. and just lead Superman down this corridor to get him into this room, and kill him. And voiceover is is really fun. You really get to paint paint kind of a world, and then, and then hope the animators kind of follow some of the things you were you were doing. They do. <laughs> it's really wonderful.
2: Thanks for listening to Sci-Fi Talk. There's still more.
0: I enjoyed both, and
1: I thought the scenes between Clark and and Milton Fine were, were some really good head games were going on there, and the, his combination of great writing and just both of you acting it up and really doing a great job. So that was really yeah, cool. Yeah, because
0: frankly, Tom, Tom is smarter than you think, or you probably know him, but he, he's smarter than most people know. And so he was very aware that he was playing a character, or is still playing a character who is not based in his intellect, Right. So he was letting, you know, as two actors, we were, we were very much planning how, how Clark was going to get manipulated here. And he was in on the gag, you know. And it was very fun.
1: He's good. I mean, he's even directed episodes. So, I mean, he, uh, he certainly has, uh, you know, the chops for it. So, definitely. Yeah, I
0: think I was, I think I was there for his first that he directed. Yeah, and, that's cool. Uh, he was one of the best directors I've worked with. Oh, you know, great. I, mean, I can his beautiful laugh either. He was really good.
1: <laughs> There's more sci fi talk,
2: so stick with it.
1: Let's get back now to sci fi talk. And it, it was great to, uh, to see you hang out with the Torchwood Gang, too. I thought that was great. That was so much fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. I, you know, when I, uh, when I went in, uh, for the first day, I, was, I had one day shooting, the next day we we're going to be doing the fight and kissing scene. And I'm not a homophobe, but, but, uh, uh, it's important to trust the person that you're going to be kissing. Sure. And, uh, John. Was just being a randy man on set the first day. He was—he wasn't doing anything to me, but he was just—he was just cracking jokes, and and some of the girls were like, "Please be
2: quiet, John, stop it."
0: <laughs> and I got—I decided I had to send a message <laughs> that I needed to be respected tomorrow. Damn it. <laughs> so I said, "Hey, Nailka, when he when he comes up behind you and grabs you like that, just stamp on the top of his foot, man, and look at his attention, or just sneeze so you just bop him in the nose."
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: and everyone turned to me like I was. Of course, as I was, the big American homophobe on the set and couldn't deal with having to kiss John the next day. <laughs> and so the next day, John came up to me as total gentleman. Really was checking with my comfort level really nicely. And I felt like such a fool. And basically the whole cast just welcomed me with open arms and we became good friends, actually.
1: Oh, that's great. That's yeah, great.
0: Really good group of people.
1: Yeah. It's really a fun show people. to watch. It really is yeah. really enjoyable. To enjoy the point it.
0: where, you know, when we finally did the kissing scene, uh, my girlfriend was five feet away and we would just turn to her and say, how was that? And she'd be like, Oh, that was good. Let's do it again. You need another thing. It was wonderful. It was so fun. Oh, but that's... I learned, I learned, guys, if you want to get the girls to kiss you, shave.
1: Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really <laughs> yep. That's definitely something to remember. Yeah. Now, you were in Dragon Ball and I've actually heard rumors of a Dragon Ball too. Has anyone talked to you at all?
0: So they don't have to talk to me. I'm, I'm under contract, so I just have to be ready. Oh, okay. But I hope we do it, because really the first one was the first one was Dragon Ball. Yeah. Uh, and this, we could start to get into Dragon Ball Z territory, which yeah. is a lot more energetic, a lot more violent. Uh, the Dragon Ball is really more about comedy and about growing up, uh, and Dragon Ball Z is really about being forced to fight for for what you
1: believe in. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about these movies is because of the manga, uh, it, it's actually a worldwide popularity, not just, you know, in the U.S., not as much, but in the Asia, it is like so huge. You know,
0: yeah. And has been for almost 20 years. Ago. Yeah, it
1: really has. Yeah. It really is,
0: is their Star Wars.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Star Wars, you actually went into the animated, uh, you know, side of it too, and, uh, and we're on Clone Wars. That was neat. That was happen.
0: so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I don't know if my schedule didn't work out. They were talking about having me back to do a different character because the first correct character died. Oh, uh, and yeah. I just, I, I hope that works out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Yeah. On my show, we have to talk about Spike. But I'll, I'll, I'll show you what his impact is. My fiance, you know, loves, is like one of your biggest fans. And now she's giving the DVDs off to her niece, who's of age, to see them. And now she's getting into Spike and, and Buffy and everything like that. It's well, it's
0: a great story for female empowerment, man. It's yeah. Really, it's really – uh it's about growing up and about not losing hope as you grow up and realize the world is, is a pretty messed up place. And uh, we've had those kind of stories for guys for a long time. There,
2: right? Oh, yeah. You
0: know, we had Catcher in the Rye. We had Hamlet, We had all of this stuff. And for girls, it's a lot – I don't know. It, it was – I, I don't remember something so clear for girls. Not on the math level, anyway. The, his
1: uh, his lines were just incredible. I mean, he had
0: some of the best lines on the show, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would read his <laughs> script just going, oh, yeah, I can't believe they gave that to me.
1: And, and what's the secret of doing the English accent as an American?
0: Um, speed. <laughs> like, with most, with most accents, it's most... To really sell it, of course, you gotta get all the sound differences down, but you also have to understand the rhythm of the language. English people like to speak very, very quickly. They also use that, and they'll go very slowly for emphasis, but they will rattle off ideas, they'll just tumble off their tongue.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And believe me, when they do American accents, like, Okay, <laughs> I'm an American. <laughs> like to us, we speak like turtles. So for me, it was really mostly about getting my lines down twice or three times as well as, as anyone else had to. Mm-hmm. Everyone else could go, "Uh, well, you know what I mean," uh, like that. And I, I don't hear English people pause like that. They just go straight through.
1: Now. Did you talk that way off, you know, off, t- when you were off camera, or did you, were you able to switch it on and off?
0: Oh, yeah, pretty much switching on and off. That's, one c- time I pretended to be English in a mall for an afternoon and I got invited to three parties. <laughs> that was in Toronto. Yeah. I was like, man, English, they do have more fun.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you, you, you did it so well. It was really hard to pick, pick, pick that accent apart. It was like, you know, it was actually, that was a neat thing about uh, Buffy and Angel. They were, Literally two actors that were doing that were American, doing English accents, and really doing a great job.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. Alexis too. So oh,
1: Alexis was so good. Yeah,
0: yeah, but he had a leg up, man. He he lived in England for a while. Oh, there but you yeah, go. He, he, no, don't take anything from Alexis. He kicks it. He kicks it so good. <laughs> yeah. And you
1: also, uh, you know, you also have your own band, and I love the name Ghost of the Robot. That's a cool name for a band. I love that. Thank you. I made that up. Oh, that was great. <laughs> You have one CD. Is there? I mean, with your schedule, are you able to do anything else?
0: I'll tell you the truth, that the band broke up. Oh man, uh, I broke the band up. We lost our drummer, oh. uh, and uh, we did a tour that didn't feel the same. And at that point, we were getting to be a little bit famous, and uh, some of us lost our way a little bit. Uh, everybody's good people. Uh, but it, it started not to become my rock and roll fantasy, so I, I decided to go uh, solo. So now I, I keep touring all over the place, but I just go out there with a the guitar. Oh, that's nice. It feels very naked, <laughs> but I've, I've learned how to put an hour and a half together, which won't bore people with one instrument.
1: Oh, that's great.
2: That's
0: yeah. super. So I'm putting two albums out solo, and I'm I'm working on the very beginnings of a third. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I want to do an album that is like my set, very simple. Uh, I've done, I've done albums which, the last album I, I did, uh, worked with the guitarist for the Wallflower, Ben Peeler.
2: Oh, nice. Uh,
0: and, uh, had a full band, uh, and a really full sound, but then I can't replicate that when I go out on tour. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, and, it, uh, it's just so expensive to get, I <laughs> can't get Ben Peeler to go out on tour with, <laughs> what can I say, you know? Uh, so there's been a, kind of a disconnect. So I'm, I, I really want to do an album that's, that's uh, simpler, maybe just me on acoustic, and then and then my son doing some uh, some lead parts, and then possibly an acoustic bass and some piano. Nice. But something very very based on in wood. You know. Yeah.
1: Sort of, yeah, yeah, it sounds great. I'll have more uh, sci-fi talk, but first a couple words from the Sci-Fi Talk app. You know, I've been saying I designed it as a multimedia experience, and really it's kind of a microcosm of my website. You can listen to podcasts every week. In addition, now there's also special videos as bonus features. And you can watch it on your iPhone, your tablet, or Droid, and even get it at the Amazon App Store. And while you're there, take it for a test drive and see how it works. And at iTunes, you can get it for your iPhone, iPod Touch, and tablet. $1.99 brings you the podcast and the bonus content with the Sci-Fi Talk app. Hi, this is Justin Hartley from Smallville and Gemini Division, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. Let's get back to this episode of Sci-Fi Talk. Is, uh, from an acting standpoint, is there like a dream project that you would love to do?
0: You know, I just got finished with a dream project that I, that I, I didn't know I wanted to do. I, was, I just did uh, for Valentine's day, uh, day. I did a one a one-off performance of the sonnets in New Jersey.
2: Oh, nice. Hey. And
0: I have to say, I didn't I didn't know about the sonnets. Uh, I just had only done Shakespeare plays, and I hadn't even, oh, I almost got to go. But I found out one very interesting thing about Shakespeare when I did this, which was that Shakespeare was bisexual. I didn't know and that. Th- I didn't know it either. I was a <laughs> professional Shakespearean actor uh, rehearsing, and no one mentioned this to me. It's <laughs> amazing. But two-thirds of the sonnets are written to a boy. Wow. And if, when you read them word for word and go and check all the annotation and everything, it's obvious they're to a boy. It's like, oh, my beautiful man, my love. I mean, it's like, couldn't be more obvious. I mean, why haven't I been told?
2: Yeah.
0: It's so, a little word of the wise, Shakespeare. And as Kurt Cobain said, what else can I say? Everyone is gay. I mean, okay. I guess <laughs> Bill was right.
2: Oh, got to go experiment. For, okay, so. Yeah. We're <laughs> missing <Listen> out. I <laughs>
1: don't Okay, I definitely will look at it differently this time around, that's yeah. for sure.
0: Read it, cause it yeah, because it, it opens up a lot.
1: Yeah, a yeah. A whole lot. Yeah, but his words are amazing anyway, boy, i tell you. It, no
0: so, matter who it's for. They're so dirty, and they're so... Shakespeare doesn't come off very well in the sonnets. In the plays, you you get this feeling like he's this loving man who loves everybody and wise man. Yeah. But then that gets ripped off in the sonnets, and he is this mewling wet little kitten. Like I guess we all are when we're really in love. <laughs> uh, but he doesn't. He he comes off as childish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He comes off as love, bitch, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 almost like John Lennon saying, "I'm a loser." You know. Yeah. That's okay. right. That's right. So, Kind of unk, man. Yeah, I gotta say there's stuff in there that reminds me of that stuff.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. God, this has been a pleasure talking to you. I've had a great time, and uh, you love me too. And certainly, uh, we look forward to you. some great things coming up for you. Looking forward to seeing you on Caprica, and also High Plains Invaders. That looks like a lot of fun.
0: So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So and we got some good bugs eating people too.
1: All right, I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> Thank Bye you on. so much, sir. Really had a great time, and we'll certainly look forward to talking to you down the road.
0: I, I would look forward to it, Tony. This is a really good interview. Oh, thank you. Right. You yeah. take care now. Okay, you too. Man. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Special thanks to Aaron Blake of Patrick Ola Public Relations. Special thank you also to all of you that either retweeted or tweeted about this podcast. I really appreciate it. Look for James Marster's work on DVD, and James, I understand, has a new movie coming out called Dragon Warriors, and he's also doing the audiobook series for the Dresden Files. Good stuff. Till next time, this is Tony Talato.
0: Hi, my name's Aaron Douglas. I'm in Battlestar Galactica. You're listening to Sci-Fi Talk.